Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T-minus 37 seconds. Fight with growing e equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your host, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ryan Treasure, one of the hosts of Finding Your Frequency, coming at you with a brand new episode. And we're going to bring you something a little bit different today than we normally do on the show. And as you know, we're usually talking to entrepreneurs and thought leaders and people that are disrupting the way that we all have done business or gone about our lives. And we're going to shift gears today and, and talk about something that's been in the news for the last seven or so years and, and kind of fill in some blanks. Joining me today is my co-host for the day, Mr. Len Novin. Len, welcome. Well, thank you for having me once again. It's always a joy. Yeah, we got to do two today, <laughs> so that's great. It's always fun when you can get that extra perspective. Let's just cut right to it, Len. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we all saw on television a man named Julian Assange get uh, removed from the Ecuadorian embassy, and uh, it brings back to light a story that's been ongoing for a long time. Uh, and, and, you know, as you guys know, he's the founder of WikiLeaks, uh, arrested in London, England, after uh, Ecuador took away his asylum and protection in their embassy. And uh, I think he had been there for you know almost seven years or something like that. Uh, and so I wanted to kind of talk about that. And, and, uh, and we're going to bring on uh, Bennett Kelly of the Internet Law Center, who's going to be joining us and give some insights into this. Uh, and, and Bennett wrote an article, uh, The Assange Indictment, Seven Things to Know. So we want to kind of talk about that. Bennett Kelly, welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's just kind of start at the beginning before we, you know, get into our Q&A. And I would just ask maybe to educate our listeners a little bit and start from the beginning. And let's talk about who is Julian Assange? Why is this such a newsworthy thing? Where did this all start in the first place? Julian Assange is, uh, you talk about your program covers disruptors. Julian Assange is definitely one of the ultimate disruptors of the last 20 years. And he's an Australian who's become active in the hack and hacking community through WikiLeaks, um, they have released uh, you know a variety of um, hacked information from both you know corporate malfeasance and government malfeasance, and he gained a lot of attention in 2009-2010 with the uh, the release of diplomatic cables and other information um, from the U.S. Defense Department, U.S. State Department. Um, and also information relating to um, the uh, carrying on the Iraq war and uh, including a, a video um, showing a U.S. Uh, helicopter taking out civilians. And he did a lot of this um, through the assistance of, of Chelsea Manning, who was a, a U.S. Um, intelligence, army intelligence officer, I believe in Baghdad, who was you know, downloading the information and forwarding it over to Assange. And so the, uh, the release of this information was quite damaging to the U.S. for a number of reasons. One, obviously the, the information on some of the things that had gone on in Iraq were quite disturbing. But in addition, the release of all these various diplomatic cables, including 
you know, uh, private assessments of what, you know, for example, Secretary Clinton thought of Putin or information um, relating to the identity of uh, um, sources for U.S. intelligence operations, including the identity of human rights activists uh, in areas like China, um, was was alarming because it put you know both our our sources and and some of these human rights activists at great risk. Without a doubt, uh, uh, gathering the information. This is where there's a, a lot of confusion I get from folks. If he's the distributor of information, it's the intent. If it's just based on distribution, is there any illegal activity? It's all, all what I've read is all how you receive the information. Is that correct? It's uh, correct. If you if you receive the information legally, um, you are free to publish, which is. Basically, in essence, the um, Pentagon Papers case that you all may have seen the movie, um, The Post, which dramatized uh, the, that Supreme Court decision over what the Post decision to publish the Pentagon Papers. Um, I, there's yet to be a case where if you had um, legally obtained information that was extremely classified and, for example, involved you know, imminent war plans, uh, I, I can't say the Supreme Court would necessarily allow it or disallow it, but in, in general, um, if you get information legally under the First Amendment, you're protected in publishing it. Yeah, that's what I thought, because here, here's the one thing. This is where it gets so dicey and so tricky in conversation, because it, it's it's all based on intent, which is hard to prove, number one, but number two, how you gather this information. but. If, in fact, hypothetically speaking, if there actually is bad practice going on, or as I said, I'm a media person, so I guess I'm protecting the press just a little bit. Uh, but with that being said, though, where is that line of you're either breaking the law and, and going against your country, a treasonous type activity, versus informing the general public where they need to know? There, there's yeah. a, there is a very gray yeah, I agree. line here. There's definitely a gray line. And one thing that I, I don't quite understand is, Bennett, you were mentioning, you know, it's about how you obtained the information. And if the information was obtained from Chelsea Manning, an Army intelligence officer, then that method of obtaining the information would be illegal, correct? So no, um, Wiki. Well, let's let's assume just before we get to the indictment aspect. In general, WikiLeaks receiving information from Chelsea Manning was not illegal as to what WikiLeaks, uh, and so they're publishing that information at that point. Um, is not anything an illegal act on their part. On the flip side, however, Chelsea Manning, as a uh, army officer, well, as someone you know, taking classified information and release it, clearly he is committing a crime, and and he did serve time for those acts, um, or she, I should say, and um, and so that's the distinction you know it, it's the person the person breaking the laws the person obtaining it illegally um the person who gets it from that person legally is free to publish it without liability oh because i i guess in my head i had the idea that because chelsea manning obtained the information illegally having it in the first place and giving it to somebody else where they weren't supposed to have it i, I felt like that act was illegal <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, there are a lot of people who are unhappy with it and felt that, you know, as a res responsible journalist or whatever, he shouldn't have published it. Um, but even, as you may recall, a, 
WikiLeaks ultimately entered a, a deal with the major newspapers in the UK, Germany, in the U.S. to distribute it, so even they felt comfortable publishing this information, you know, fully knowledgeable that you know how that how it was obtained, and you know, there's no suggestion that you know the Washington Post or London Times or whoever it was should be held liable for publishing the information. Yeah, and I think Len and I are kind of of the the same mindset where we kind of feel like, you know, as as people in a free society, right? And you you mentioned this earlier, we're supposed to be larger than our government, and you know, they shouldn't be hiding things from us as a people, anyways. And I think that's where kind of it it even goes even dicier down the road because you have you know secrets and things that yes, as a government, you don't want other governments knowing. You have to kind of be strategic in those areas. But then when you right. find out about a helicopter mowing down civilians. In, in, in a wartime scenario and they're hiding that from us. That's where I, as a citizen of the United States, are like I have an issue with them not having full disclosure and, and letting us know as as citizens of the United States. Like that my literally my tax dollars paid to kill somebody that well, shouldn't it, have been it's, wrapped it's, up it's in the that. Filtratious, <laughs> a filtration system rather is, is kind of where we're looking at. How much does this need to be filtered? Is it indeed a really a free press? Is it not? Uh, those aspects are concerning and also though when we're at wartime though there's there's different rules i mean see that's another aspect of the general public when i've taken uh, calls and i've had discussions about this on the microphone there's a lot of confusion on uh, well it's a wartime situation so rules do change is that correct well i mean the, you've seen supreme court cases over history um balancing how to protect our systems our rights in in era of wartime, and, and you know even un, under the most recent eras, you know with Bush, there was a lot of pushback on the um, camps in Guantanamo. Um, but you know sometimes we we don't always get it right. For example, the Japanese internment camps. You know, the Supreme Court found those to be legal. Uh, a decision there you know, that was never overturned, and they're still quite embarrassed about. Um, so, they, there always is that tension in time of war, and um, you, you will continue to see that as we in cases with the Supreme Court. Yeah, and I guess there's. Oh, we could go down the rabbit hole really far on this one because the, the other the other implication too is were we actually at war? Was there a declaration of war? Was did Congress there was an sanction a war for the use of force? I believe right. And so I had always in my head, I'm thinking, well, if if we were authorized to use force, but there was never an actual declaration of war, then the differences in law or oh, the Ryan, way that you're making more happen. gray area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and again, I think that's why I wanted to talk about this subject because you know we're all pretty educated people and follow the news and we read these things and. There's so many other people in the general public that are not in the media that wake up in the morning, they turn their morning news on and they see all of these different, you know, images of things that are happening in the intelligence community and all of these things. And, you know, you turn on Fox and you get one story, you turn on CNN, you get a different story and you turn on the MSNBC and you get a, a, different a, a mix of these yes. ones. And so I think it's just confusing to the general public. And so, you know, uh, Bennett, having you on, you know, being, being a lawyer and understanding law, uh, um, really gives a unique perspective on some of those things and 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 that's where a lot of the questions are are happening so what what exactly is Assange being charged with um well just one brief comment on you you're musing about you know whether it's war or not isn't as ephemeral as you think because right now there are cases going on regarding 
um, insurance coverage for cyber attacks and whether or not that is an act of war and therefore the insurance companies don't have to cover it. So yeah, that is actually an important legal point. Is something war or not? But anyway, going, uh, going to your, your question about Assange. So what we, the framework we talked about so far is you have Chelsea Manning gathering the information, giving it to Assange, who's the publisher. What he's being charged with is a situation where he, he, he crossed that line. He was actually communicating with Chelsea Manning and actually um, working with Manning to hack into um, the U.S. Uh, in, uh, Pentagon um, computers. And so Chelsea was using Assange's uh, know-how to try to um, crack a password. And it's unclear from the indictment whether that was successful or not, which would actually make it quite ironic that the world's most famous hacker is being charged with a, a, an offense in which he actually failed to, you know, to hack anything. But um, you know, that's what, what's going on here. You know, they, they have evidence of communications between the two where uh, Manning provided half of the password and Assange tried to help Manning um, figure out the rest of the password okay there's the action see the, the intent with the action that's what we're trying to dig around a little bit because if he just received the information sitting in an office like he was at a, yeah, a normal news company here's, and here's, say, an envelope, hey. here's an envelope right right uh, or here, here's a flash yeah. drive uh, you <laughs> know I, I would just think our media is just <laughs> shivering i mean with it with that but if he's actually digging around rooting trying to uh, receive classified information to distribute they, there's yeah there's a whole other uh, angle to that and it, the statute that's at issue is very broad it's the computer fraud and abuse act and so even the act of attempting to hack um, in this case is an offense and and so that's what that's how Assange gets ensnared into this situation yeah I guess if there's a such thing as attempted robbery then there should be a such thing as attempted hacking yes and it, because you want to discourage both. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, well, you know, every well, day people are pinging our computers trying to get in. And, um, and we'll never <laughs> we'll never prosecute all of them, but the power it, it, is, it is a crime. Well, this is the one thing you look at from this is the highest level. This is our federal government. And you look well, no, at not it, just that, it, it's classified. Well, it's classified too. too. I mean, yeah. it's the highest level you can go. But then you, you look at it from that level and then all the way down to us just normal folk day to day. How safe are we in reality with, with our cyber identity that it is? I mean, I mean, as, as is with all the social media that's out there, the Facebooks of the world. I mean, all our information is floating out there that anybody can grab. So to be perfectly honest with you, it seems like we're very vulnerable. I mean, it, it, we are too, and yeah. But I don't want to have everyone alarmed and, and you know becoming um, basically right. you know the equivalent <laughs> of a cyber Amish. But um, <laughs> the what what you, know, you can take precautions. But all of us eventually will probably be the victim at some point in our lifetime of some hack. I mean, many of us already have been, whether mm -hmm. it's from you know, the, the breaches of Yahoo or uh, some of the other services that where our identities or our passwords. So, somebody took um, my social security number like 10 years ago. Somebody had my social security number and went and had an ID printed with Same their here. picture and stuff on it. And next thing I know, I'm getting letters in 
the mail telling me that my driver's license is suspended and I hadn't no it took me two years of going back and forth to court and trying to get you know police officers that pulled over whoever this other person was to come to court and identify that I was not that person and it, it it's just you know when you have uh, you know your identity stolen and you know they they do it electronically it's I mean it's uh, it, it it feels like someone broke into your home you know what I mean you feel, you feel violated, violated. yeah yeah I mean, and it's it's not just someone steals uh, you know a, a lawn chair on your porch, big deal, but your identity. I mean, what's more personal to you than your identity? That's without a doubt. Real quick, back on Assange. Real uh, when it comes to his his jail time, potentially, I've read somewhere he's maybe just only going to get like five years based on all this hubbub. Is that it? I mean, because a lot of that, a lot that, that is how, that is so basically. Federal courts, um, federal crimes are subject to what is known as the sentencing guidelines, and that is within the, the – he can get up to five years. It doesn't necessarily mean he will get it. Um, you know, it depends on the judge. The judge may say, well, this is one offense. The judge may be concerned that while you were charging Assange with this offense, you're really charging him with actions that his, – his other actions that are protected by the First Amendment. So maybe we should reduce the sentence range you know, below the five years. So it's going to be interesting. But there, there is another question about um, – before we get, even get to that point is whether he will ever be in the U.S. Because there, um, there already is political opposition in the U.K. to releasing Assange under the extradition treaty. Yeah, that, I, So there's going to be a legal battle too. there. I read about that too. I, before we do a follow up on that particular piece, Julian Assange is not even American, right? He's he's Australian, correct? No. So, he's Australian. Yeah. So how, how how you know? Yes, he broke U.S. you know laws in in in, in that space. Um, wouldn't the U.S. So one, more more treat him as um, like a like a spy? So no, I mean because he actually then. I've seen some people argue that Assange can challenge venue in the United States because you know he has no doesn't live here, he has no connections to it, but he was trying to hack into a computer in the Pentagon. <laughs> you know, and so that's as close to touching your new US soil as you can get. And so I think it would be entirely appropriate to have him tried in the east in the, the courthouse in Virginia where he's gonna be tried if he gets extradited because you know that's where the pentagon is and he clearly you know in reaching trying to break into the pentagon it was foreseeable that if anything happened that that you know he would be brought to justice in that jurisdiction so what would be the differences in whether he was um and let's say an american citizen did this exact thing obviously they would be charged with treason it's funny treason is an often used word and um but it's it's a, it's so social meaning and or commonplace meaning and legal meaning is quite different. Treason involves um, assisting an enemy in a time of war, and you know, kind of going back to your earlier comment. Um, and so this would not be treason if he were a citizen. Um, and in addition, if he didn't steal you know steal the information. Um, and published it, you know, that's not treason either. So this is really, the, the offense is just, it's the same on either side of the Atlantic. Um, 
you know, I don't know how, if he was an American citizen, how that would change the um, extradition analysis, but it's, it's basically just a, a simple hacking case. You know, it's, it's, it's great you actually bring that to the surface. It's a simple hacking case. I, that, that's really, at the end of the day, I guess that's what it is, but based on everything, all the analysis here on the microphone. But, but with that, it, what's fascinating about this, because obviously I think you can tell by the, the beginning of the interview how much of freedom of press, First Amendment defender I personally am, uh, it all has to do with the intent. I mean, the, the, and that's the thing that's right. it's hard to establish, I would imagine. What's your legal thoughts on that? Because establishing the intent of going in and going after that, is there actually quantifiable proof in the court of law that they, he can be brought up on that? Or is, is that... Yeah, I mean, well, they, they have logs of communications oh, between okay. him and Manning, and clearly he's like, okay, here, here, try using this for the password. Sure, okay. And, and so, you know... And, his intent to do this is clear. It is very evident what he's trying to do. I think what a lot of the controversy that we're seeing has nothing to do with the offense that he's been charged with. Um, it's, it's people seeing this as Assange being persecuted for some other reason. And uh, you know, they're, you know, it's an attack on the First Amendment. And you know, I, I can understand that conduct, but you know, Assange basically screwed up by you know, crossing that line from being a publisher to actually um, assisting people in, in committing illegal acts. And so I, I don't feel um, disquieted at all by his uh, indictment, but a lot of people are basically saying, oh, the, he's just being persecuted for either you know, his what, revelations during the Iraq war or his revelations in the 2016 election. But the, and who's to say if that had any factor in you know, why he was charged? But um, at this point, he's only being charged for this narrow offense. Right. And one thing that's very difficult in the court of public opinion right now, especially with all the news that is being launched at us, just go onto your Facebook thread. I mean, for Pete's sake, it's everywhere. And there's all different angles to it. So people, you know, when I engage with folks, Everybody has a different story or a different take on it because they're getting resources from all different uh, angles. So I, I've noticed there's a lot of confusion within our uh, news that is out there because, like Ryan said earlier, well, Fox is different than CNN, and CNN is a bit different than MSNBC, and then ABC and CBS and all those folks are doing something over here. Right. And everybody's got a different angle or a different take or a different delivery on it, so there is a lot of confusion. <laughs> Yeah. It is, and you know, Assange is an enigmatic, controversial figure who actually has a lot of fans. I mean, you know, his, I think his girlfriend's Pamela Anderson. I mean, he's, he's quite this international celebrity, um, and so it's hard to to reduce <laughs> this to just a simple. Um, well, this is just a case about hacking when you have such a, a larger than life figure yeah yeah and i think that's probably now speaking to you i understand and i, I was concerned with len i'm like you know why are they persecuting the guy for publishing something but now knowing that he was in direct cahoots with chelsea manning and was actively trying to extrapolate that information i get that and he should definitely face the music so to speak but there is that question is uh is the united states being so aggressive in trying to extra 
extradite and trying to get his trial because of the other things that he did, which you brought up, publishing those other components in light. And then you have other recent things as well that were WikiLeaks published content, which was like the whole Russian hacking of Clinton's emails. Tell us about that. So, I mean, again, we don't know his role in that release of information from you know John Podesta and the DNC and all those other people, but um, if assuming he was just the publisher, as we were talking about earlier, you know, he 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 can't be charged for that uh, you know, under the Supreme Court president. But if he made the same mistake, and you know people make a mistake once, they often do it twice. Um, then he could be charged for that. But I, I have not seen any evidence come to light that he did have that role. Yeah, if he's just a distribution and not digging around and, and breaking in, yeah. I, I See, that's, this is where there's that line. Where, where, what he was actually doing to gather the information. And if there's no evidence of collusion between him and the Russian hackers and he just acquired the information legally and then published it, you know, then that's where we get into the First Amendment right where he's just, exactly. you know, freedom of press, right? Right. That's, a, that's exactly the point. You know, the only, to be somewhat speculative is, you know, think about how many times people you know they've done something stupid just once. <laughs> that, <that's, laughs> As we look at each other and start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people you know to do something stupid, they often do it more than once. So I guess that's the question here. It, it, it's, what is this on stupid, stupid quotient? Is it just 1.0 <laughs> or is it higher? <laughs> well, I do stupid stuff every day. Ask my wife. So yeah. I, I, <laughs> but it's just so fascinating on this. I mean, it, it just, it really highlights that, you know, you definitely have to look at your own cybersecurity as well. If you have a business, uh, just do. across the board, that, that little things that we have to uh, take extra steps because you have every day somebody trying to infiltrate your information, whether it be at the highest level, like we're talking about Julian Assange, to all the way down to just, you know, yeah. a radio guy like us. The Assange thing is a valuable lesson because for two reasons. One, it, it showed the system worked. He was apparently, it's unclear if he was successful in cracking the password. So their security worked to an point, but it also shows the weakness in any security plan. It's only as good as the people you have to implement it. So here, you know, the weakness was Chelsea Manning. And in Sony, the weakness was some staff person who wasn't trained properly, who clicked a phishing email that said, you know, please reset your password. And that gave, you know, all you know, open the door for the North Koreans to get all Sony's information. And, and so it, it's a good illustration that, you know, it, it is, it's valuable to invest in a technology to protect yourself. And clearly it worked for the Defense Department to an extent. Um, but it's also valuable to make sure you're training your employees and, and you're also monitoring your employees so you don't have a Chelsea Manning situation. I've got to ask an opinion question just based on your political and legal expertise. The 2016 election, do you think WikiLeaks had an impact? Oh, no doubt. I mean, it just changed the narrative, especially the timing. You got to understand when the document dump happened. It was right when Trump was on the ropes on the whole, you know, grab him by the, you know, the P word. Uh, and... <laughs> You know, he, he was just getting beat up left and right. And this just took the story right off the front pages. And so it gave Trump some breathing room that, you know, had the story been released 
later or earlier, you know, it's hard to, it's not hard to say you know, Trump might, have, might not have survived it. Assange is interesting in this way because with his, his uh, information about Iraq, obviously the Bush administration wasn't uh, his best friend. And then obviously now the Clintons are not his best friend. So he, he didn't really discriminate well, he, other no, than he help. he Obama too. And there were cables that were quite embarrassing for the Obama administration too. He's equal and, opportunity. And so, yeah. He just, he just yeah. went to every administration and was like, here, hold my beer. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be getting invited to any presidential libraries anytime soon. I'm pretty sure of that. Well, it's, it's interesting to dissect it because there, there definitely has been something you're going to look back in this decade in pop culture history and, and remember this. I, I do think this. I mean, this is something that is going to be a mark in our history. And it also, there was actually a, a good movie done about him called The Force of State and uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he played Assange. And, uh, you know, kind of as this somewhat um, messianic character, but who also had a cult of personality. And, and sometimes, you know, he didn't see he didn't see the harm he was causing, particularly in this, this and the, the force of state is really about this first drop of information from you know, Chelsea Manning and how he was somewhat indifferent to the harm releasing some of this information might cause to innocent people such as human rights activists or, you know, sources for some of the information. And, um, but it was an interesting movie. If it's that, it should be on Netflix. Bennett, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your insight into all of this political theater. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you, gentlemen. You guys can go check out his website, BennettKelly.com. A lot of information on there. And then, of course, they have the, uh, the other website that's available, LawCenter.net. Go check it out. There's a lot of really cool information on both of those websites that you can really kind of learn and get in depth. And of course, Internet Law Center also has some resources that are available uh, for you guys to check out if you have questions about that cybersecurity. And of course, if you're listening on voiceamerica.com, please make sure you like, share, and subscribe. And of course, give us that five-star rating because five stars are better than four. Again, we appreciate you joining the show. Bennett, Len, thanks for co-hosting. Guys, we'll be back next time right here on voiceamerica.com. Finding Your Frequency, the leader in live internet talk radio.